It is good to be back at camp. Where is Calvary Burbank? Yes, strong and mighty. Where is Faith Bible Church? Yes, good. Now, where are my people? Summit Bible Church. Yes. All right. Hey, I am so pumped that you are here. Three churches gathered to do camp. We're pressing through the technical challenges, and I am still just as excited to be here as I was driving up the mountain, even being stuck in traffic, just like many of you were. Um, Terrell already said my name, Morgan Maitland. I am married to my wife, Brianna Maitland. We have three kids. We, our oldest, our daughter, Joella, is five years old. Reagan John is three. And Andrew, our Drew boy, he is four months. Any ladies want to help fix that? Vanessa, four months? Okay. We'll go four months. All right. He was born in August. I don't, can't do the math. Don't ask me now. Uh, you're going to hear a lot about my kids. Uh, obviously, being pastor's kids, they get brought into every uh, camp illustration and all these messages. But I'm so, so, so glad you're here. I want to know why you came to winter camp. Um, and can you just give me 30 minutes? I know like we are an hour and a half past bedtime. Well, probably not. You're probably into the second game of Fortnite right now. Maybe going for eight more. Uh, Fortnite's probably old news. What's the new thing? Flash of Clans? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. Okay. Uh, so give me three minutes here. I, I want to know why you came to camp. Let, I bet I can guess why you came to camp. And uh, I, I think there are probably four to five reasons that you came to camp. And it's either one of these reasons or it's the combination of all these reasons. And all the reasons start with the letter G. Could you guess them? Maybe you came to camp for the games. No, nobody here. Okay. So this whole thing that happened up here was just a waste of time. Good job, Jesse and Terrell. They're not interested. Are you guys happy about the games? Yeah. Everybody loves points. You guys are starving for points. You're going to be wanting to play games for points. Okay, so maybe you came for the games. Maybe you came for the grub. This delicious... I mean, carbs on carbs on carbs on carbs. The junior high boys are happy. Listen, their bodies are expanding. They need to fill those bodies with carbs and carbs and carbs and carbs. So they're excited about the food. Did anybody here come for the girls or the guys? Now why is it that I get the most reaction out of that one? Oh, the girls and guys. I can smell the tension in the air. It's kind of this nasty B.O. odor mixed with a lot of like Axe cologne and, and deodorant. And you came here to impress somebody. I see you boys out there with the parted bowl cut, with your oversized baggy sweatshirts, with your denim jeans and your clunky shoes. Yep, 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 yep. Girls wearing the same thing. And here we are. Maybe you came for the girls or the guys. 
The 90s are coming back. The 90s are coming back. Um, maybe you came to camp to get away. All right? You wanted to get out of town. Maybe you wanted to get away from some bad grades. How can you have bad grades? School's on Zoom. You, can, you should be getting straight up. Okay? But anyways... Maybe you're getting away from bad grades. You know, on a more serious note, maybe you're, you're getting away from a, a difficult home situation. Maybe your, your relationship with your parents is not great. Maybe it's difficult, and I get that. So you want to get away. You want to go to camp and, and go do something fun. That's okay. We're really, really glad that you are here. Obviously, the fifth G, maybe you came to camp for God. You are interested in Him, maybe. Maybe you've heard about God. You don't have a lot of experience in church. You don't know a lot about God, but you're interested. You want to get to know Him. You want to learn more about Him, and that's good. Maybe you're here because you know that your Christian walk is in a bad place, and and maybe you're in sin, and you need to get right with God. Maybe you're here. Actually, check that. I know you're here because God wants you here. God is sovereign, and God providentially worked out circumstances, finances, your parents to sign the waiver that you would be sitting here today because God has a word for you from His word. And I really, really want to... Can I, can I just tell you why I came to camp? Here's why I came to camp. I want to show you something. I really badly want to show you something. I want you to see it with your own eyes. I want you to know and experience and see what I'm about to show you in God's Word because it's life-changing. It's absolutely life-changing. It's the power of God to raise the dead. And I'm praying, I was praying on the way up that God would raise the dead here up at this weekend, this camp. And that God would transform your lives by His amazing resurrecting power. So would you open your Bibles with me? I want to show you. I want you to see it out of God's Word. You can turn to the book of Ephesians and look at chapter 1. Okay? I, I put the verse on the screen. Man, that's smaller, smaller font than I realized. Okay? Uh, that's okay, though. So if you don't have a Bible, you can look at the screen. That's in the ESV version. Whatever Bible you have in your lap is good you'll be able to still follow along. Ephesians chapter 1. And I'm going to start reading in verse 15. I want you to see something in here. Ephesians 1.15. Paul the author writes, he says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know three things. Paul wants you to know three things. Here they are. First, what is the hope to which he has called you? Second, 
What are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? And thirdly, what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe? Okay, so Paul the author writes this letter to the people in a real place called Ephesus. This is a church, and he wants them to know and to see three things. You can write these down on your notes, so help you out. First, hope. Second, riches. And third, power. Two years ago, in February of 2020, I saw the Grand Canyon in person for the first time. Has anybody been to the Grand Canyon? Oh, a lot of you. Good. In person. It, this wasn't just the, you know, the previews on the Apple screen that, you know, the flyover drone shots. You've been there in person. Okay, good. Yes, I went in person for the first time, February of 2020. I think I have a picture of my family, or us in front of the Grand Canyon. Is that a no-go table? Okay, come on, give us a minute here. And maybe not. Okay. Um, maybe it'll show up. Uh, but we have a picture of our family in front of the Grand Canyon. Oh, there we are. Okay, that's, that's like three-fourths of us, all right? Uh, Andrew hasn't come yet. So there's uh, my wife, Joelle, and Reagan. There we are in front of the Grand Canyon. You can see more of us than the actual Grand Canyon. But that's just a background. Needless to say, seeing the Grand Canyon in person is amazing. Everybody told me this. They said you have to see and experience it in person. You've got to be there in person. You can't just look at pictures. You can't look at drone footage. Those do not do it justice. And they were right. They were right. To see the vivid colors of red, orange on the canyon walls, it's beautiful. To stand at the edge of this chasm, look down, and you can't see the bottom at certain parts. To reach your hand out from the edge, and you know it's a hundred, maybe thousands, hundreds of thousands more reaches until you touch the other side. You have to see and experience it in person. Listen, the thing I want you to see and experience at camp this weekend is the power of God. The power of God that can change your life. Paul takes us to the edge of a spectacle, something greater. He says, stand here at the edge. I want to show you something. Sure hope, glorious riches, immeasurable power. Know this, student. The world is going to throw you face. Fake hope. Fake riches. Fake power. You can take it with you to the bank through high school, junior high first, then high school, then college, then into the real world. They will continue to throw you face. The world will give you fake frauds. Buy this toy. Have this kind of relationship. Graduate from college. Then you'll be happy. Get this job. Live in this house. Marry this person. Set your hope on all these things. Get fake rich. And have fake power. And they're all phonies. 
My prayer for you, and I pray this prayer as I went up to camp, is that you be captivated by a greater vision. I want you to stand at the precipice with me and experience real hope, real riches, and real power. I want to focus, the title of my message, you can write this down, is power. I want to focus on that third thing that we need to know and see. Who has the power? I like the video beforehand with Kylie, the interview. Who really has the power? What would the world say? Maybe the world would say that this man has all the power. Yay! Right? He's arguably the most influential entertainment artist out there, right? You would maybe have your doubts. You can argue with me later. No, I really believe it's somebody else. Okay. Uh, maybe you think this next guy has all the power. Elon Musk. He is, I think, now the richest man in the world. It kind of fluctuates between him and Jeff Bezos. He is worth, this is my Google search two days ago. It could have changed. Okay, and, and the numbers matter here. He is now worth $271 billion. $271 billion, CEO of Tesla and SpaceX. And it could have some monies elsewhere. We don't know. He's kind of a strange cat. All right. Maybe you think this next guy is the most powerful man in the world. If you don't know, that's Xi Jinping. He is the president of the United States of America. I mean, sorry. Uh, he's the president of the People's Republic of China. People's Republic of China. China outnumbers us in population. They're growing their military and economy at a rapid pace. Some say he is the most powerful man in the world. And if you ask my son, it's this guy next. <laughs> he might be. He might be a mom. Super strange, laser vision, can fly. What else? What else? Right? Uh, okay. I want you to look down at verse 19 with me real quick. Look down at verse 19. Who has immeasurable power? He says, I want you to know and see what is the immeasurable greatness of his power. Toward us who believe, according to the working of his power. Great minds. You know who he's talking about? You go to verse 17. The Father of glory, God. This is God's power. Not yours. Not man's. Not Superman's. Tesla, solar, nuclear. This is out of this world. Immeasurable power. How great is it? It's immeasurable, the text says. It is past our measuring units. We have various units that we use when we measure power. I don't know if you know some of these units, some of you science people. You have the joule, the joule, which, which is the base unit for measuring energy. That's the capacity to do work. Did you know this? There are eight kilojoules, eight kilojoules, that's 8,000 joules in every gram of healthy poop. Did you know that your poop has power? <laughs> Mythbusters prove that you can, you can use it as rocket fuel. 
process it a certain way and you could fly a rocket. Okay, maybe move past the body jokes, Morgan. All right, so you got the joule. Then you have watts, which is a base unit of power. You have newtons, which is the base unit of force. You have mechanical energy, which uses horsepower, foot-pounds, electrical energy, volts, amps, kilowatts, thermal energy, BTUs, calories, and tons. Lots of units for measuring energy and power. None of them. Not one of the earthly measuring units can measure God's power. Not one of them can be used. His power is far beyond human or earthly units. We can't even begin to fathom or replicate the greatness of God's power. No one, nothing comes close to God in power. If you want jaw-dropping, exhilarating, epic, awesome displays of power, don't look to this world. Look to God. What can His power do? Here's the final question. This is what we want to know. What can God's power do? He shows us a display of power. And at this point... I mean, God can display His power in a variety of ways. I highly talked about one of the ways in His creation. God can point to creation and say, Hey, look, all this that you see, I made this by speaking words. Words came out of my mouth and then all that is came into being. God can point to creation at this point and say, Look at my immeasurable power. But He doesn't do that. He says, you know, you can look at the life of Jesus. Jesus had power, didn't he? Jesus could turn water into wine. He did that. Jesus could give the blind man sight. He could make lepers clean. He could exercise demons. He can silence the storm. That's power. Power over nature. But he doesn't show those displays of power at this point. You know what he shows? As a display of the immeasurable power that God has. Why don't you look down at verse 19. Here is the display of God's immeasurable power. What is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead? And seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. When God shows and displays his immeasurable power, he shows us that he can raise the dead and that he rules over all. Those are the two displays of God's power. Resurrecting power and ruling power. Write those two points down. Resurrecting power and ruling power. Now, before you say, you sit there, okay, okay, Morgan, that's great. That's God up there. Here I am down here. Why does this all matter? Go back to 19. You have to see this connection. He wants us to know and see what is the immeasurable greatness of his power. Look at this next phrase. Toward us who believe. This is not just God's power displayed 2,000 years ago. This is not just God's power up there, far removed from your life. This is the power, student, that transforms your life. That changes you. This is everything. 
This is everything. You can't look at this display of power and just go, well, that's cool. Okay? See it? No, you, 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 it changes your life. You either reject it wholeheartedly or you submit to it wholeheartedly. There's no middle ground. You can't be apathetic when you see the incredible, the immeasurable greatness of God. You either believe it or you don't. This changes your life, student. So I pray that you see it and that you know it. Let's look first at his resurrecting power. He worked in Christ as a measurable power when he raised him from the dead. Jesus Christ rose from the dead according to the scriptures. That happened. That is a fact. We believe it to be a fact. Do you believe? Do you believe that fact? You know, it's, it's not difficult for many and most historians to say that Jesus was a real person. Not difficult for them to admit that. Old historians wrote about Jesus. They say, oh yeah, Jesus was a real person. It is not difficult for uh, many people and historians to admit that Jesus died on the cross. That is, that is a well-known fact. Jesus died under Pontius Pilate. Uh, Josephus wrote about that, an early church historian. That's not difficult for people to embrace. You know what's difficult for people to embrace? That Jesus walked out of a grave. That Jesus went from dead to alive. Because that kind of power, that's supernatural power. That's the kind of power that Elon Musk does not have. That's the kind of power that any president of any world nation or economy cannot Hold, cannot recreate. God made a dead man alive. And that fact, that is the fact that people have a hard time stunning. People have a hard time believing. If I were to ask everyone in this room, what is the gospel? You might recite something like this. If you grew up in the church, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Yes, that's true. But without the resurrection... The crucifixion means nothing. You know that? So many times you hear a gospel presentation and they don't talk about the resurrection. The resurrection is essential. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says that if the resurrection didn't happen, Christians are most to be pitied. It's embarrassing for a Christian. Pitiful for them to have a faith if the resurrection didn't happen. But it did. So if it did happen, then aren't we, shouldn't we be the happiest, most joyful, most exhilarating people in all of the earth? People who believe that their God came to this planet, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, and rose again from the dead. He's not dead, he's alive. How, how has the resurrection impacted your life? Do you really believe it? Do you live differently because it is true? At about 3 p.m. on Friday, Jesus was pronounced dead. It was confirmed by the Roman centurion who thrusted a spear underneath his ribs and through his heart. Through to his heart. He was carefully wrapped and buried in Joseph of Arimathea's Tomb, Mary Magdalene and Mary, his mother, watched Joseph 
probably helped by other men, roll a heavy stone over the entrance of the tomb. Roman imperial guards stood watch night and day over a lifeless tomb inside the dead man, Jesus of Nazareth, lie. Then suddenly, Sunday morning, there was an earthquake. Immeasurable, <laughs> immeasurable power struck that tomb. Immeasurable power struck that body. And the cold, prostrate, empty, and lifeless Jesus became warm, pulsing, breathing, and alive. He got up. The wraps could not tie him down. The grave couldn't hold him hostage. The stone couldn't stand in his way. Jesus went into the tomb dead, and he walked out alive. That's power. That's divine power. No one else can do that. God himself says in Deuteronomy 32, there's no God besides me. I kill and I make alive. Anybody can kill a man. Nobody can make a man alive. Except by the power of God. Do you believe this to be true? As if you saw and experienced it with your own eyes. You saw a dead man walk out of a grave alive. That is true. But the power doesn't stop there. He goes on to talk about Jesus' ruling power. Look in verse 19. Sorry, 20. The power that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Jesus rose from the dead. He appeared to many hundreds alive if not thousands of people. He did not die again, but he ascended to heaven. He was taken up in a cloud and seated at the right hand of God in heaven. Now, what's the significance of that position? Paul explains what that position means in verse 21. What's the significance of that position? Well, it's a position far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. Which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Jesus is in a position now that is above everyone and everything. Above every ruler above every power, above every creature, above all forever. This is ultimate power. Ultimate power. Kylie alluded to this in the Testament. Above everything, unlimited power. The powers of this earth are limited. God's is unlimited and above them. His throne is above the heavens, above the tyrants, above the supreme courts, Above the economies, above Bitcoin, above the stock market, above congressmen, above presidents. All of those things rise and fall under his command. In junior high, I used to play a game with my friends. And the game was called, Who's Better? We'd play this game. And here's what we'd do. We'd just name a superhero. And then our friend 
had to name a better one. And we go back and forth. You name a better one, you name a better one, until we all got to Superman, who obviously is the ultimate and best hero. Any, any debatable? Batman? Thanos is not a hero! Did you even watch the movie? Wonder Woman! And Hollywood just makes more and more money. Okay. Who's better? It is a limitless game and you can go on for hours. Let's play. Let's play. Jesus or the president? Jesus. Jesus or the governor? Jesus or the Taliban? Jesus or China? Jesus or Russia? Jesus. Jesus or your video games? Jesus or the boy you like? Jesus or the girl you like? Jesus or sports? Jesus or grades? Jesus or popularity? Jesus or your social media page? Jesus or your reputation? Listen, most of you, very quick and clear and concise, when it's Jesus or the president, Jesus or the Taliban. You fumble a bit, if you're honest with yourself, evaluating your own heart, you fumble a bit when it comes to Jesus or your idol. Because if you're honest, most of the time, idol wins. Jesus sits on the throne over all the universe, and you're struggling. You're struggling with who to place on the throne of your heart. That's a problem, isn't it? Jesus is Lord. He is the king over all kings. Sovereign over everything. In control of every aspect of your life. He's worthy of all your life. All your glory. Living and doing everything ultimately for his pleasure. And yet you are distracted by lesser pleasures. Lesser idols. Lesser kings. Why is that? Why is that? Oh, many of you would confidently say, yeah, Jesus, God, He's ruler over it all, and yet you live your life like He's not. You know, some preachers would say, you know, you need to make Jesus, you need to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. I say it a little bit differently. Jesus is Lord, regardless of whether you make him Lord or Savior, he is Lord. The question is, have you surrendered to him? Do you know him? Have you bowed the knee to the king over all kings? That's a question I want you to wrestle with tonight. You don't make him Lord over your life. He is Lord over your life. You can't walk away and say, oh, that morning, that really doesn't matter. I have more important things to think about. Like my KDR. Or the girl that I like. Or the way my hair and makeup looks. Or how many likes I have on Instagram. Or what's new on TikTok. Or the new dance. Or 
my grades in school or my reputation. Those things are really important to me. In fact, far more important than Jesus, who the Bible just told you is Lord over all. There's a problem there. There's a problem there, student. He's alive. Jesus is alive. He is Lord of lords, King of kings. He's seated at the right hand of God, ruler with all power in the universe. Has that changed the way that you live? Do you know Him? Do you honor Him as King? Do you serve Him as King? And if He is King with all power, what does that make you? What does that make you? Well, we're going to get into that in chapter 2. There's a great contrast between the position, the power of God, and our inability. We have no power. We're going to look at that in the next message. But I wanted to start camp right by looking at Jesus. Seeing the man, the God-man, who went from dead to alive, who is seated at the right hand of God over all things. There's Christ. Do you know Him, student? Do you know Him? And how can you come to know Him? We're going to talk about that. The book of Ephesians in chapter 2 specifically will explain how that power that Jesus has affects your life. And if He was made alive, so can you. So can you. Let me close in prayer. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for camp, this great opportunity for students to get away from the distractions of life and to sit under your word, to see you as we read your word, Lord. I pray that students tonight would first be in awe and wonder when they see Jesus. I pray that students tonight, there would just be this sense in their hearts. You'd give them this sense, this conviction by your spirit. That if Jesus is Lord and they're not living like he is, there's a problem. God, I pray that you convict them if that's true. And that, Lord, they would get rid of those idols. They would turn from those distractions and embrace and cling only to Jesus. I pray for students to do that at camp. I pray for students who do know Christ, that they would continue to live differently. They would continue to follow the Lord Jesus with their lives, continue to bend their knee to the King, and tell the world about this powerful, resurrected, ruling Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.